is for sharing, and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers, and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Hi everybody, welcome to Kiwi Foodcast. As you can probably tell from my voice, I am not person like you usually get to listen to. My name is Grace and I have popped on today as a special host or guest host, I guess, to um, interview because our special guest of honour today is in actual fact person herself. So welcome person, welcome to your own podcast. How does it feel? (laughs) This feels very strange to be on the other side of the mic. (laughs) Yeah, I've done it too. And it is definitely weird because for everyone listening, I have a podcast myself called Pep Talk where I talk to New Zealand businesses. So I've also flipped it over and been the guest on my own podcast. And it is a weird experience, but it's also quite cool for everyone listening to hear your story because they get to hear your voice every time they listen. Yes, that's true. And thank you so much for taking the time away from your amazing podcast to come onto my one. Oh, of course. I am all about supporting other podcasts and I think what you do is wonderful. So I am really excited to share your whole story because you've got so much good stuff going on. So let's jump straight into it. To begin with, I always think in these kinds of chats that it's really nice to rewind a little bit further and kind of hear the background because there's so often clues in what you've started out doing or what you've done in the past to what you're doing now. And I know that with you, Pizzin, you've got a really rich history history with food and particular Indian food. So maybe just quickly take us through that part of your story, kind of pre-Kiwi Food Cast and Dolly Mama days before we dig into it. Sure. So Grace, I have always loved food. Um, You know, I was one of those kids who um, just loved sitting on the dinner table and would eat their food with their eyes closed and really enjoying (sighs) it. You know, not not like our kids who run around and make us run around after them. <laughs> um, I studied hospitality and I studied it at AUT here in New Zealand and I have an events management background, but my kind of working in food became a reality when I moved to India. I started a food blog called Bawi Bride. Um, now, for those who don't know, Bawi is a colloquial term for a Parsi, which is the community I'm from, and bride because I started the blog when I became a bride. So I started the blog as a bit of a joke because I did not know how to cook any food for my husband. But um, it fast morphed into, you know, being a great resource for my community to find uh, lost recipes. And then that morphed into a catering company of its own. So right until I moved back to New Zealand in 2019. That's what I was doing. We ran a full-time catering kitchen. We employed about four or five staff and we used to specialize in, you know, very comfort regional food um, as well as piracy food, of course. So that's a little bit of what I was doing. That's a great summary of it and also just so cool to hear as we're about to dive into hearing all about what you're doing now. I think everyone listening will be like, oh, it makes so much sense. Like what an amazing base for you to learn from and take forward into your plans now and for the future. 
I just love it. So thank you for filling us in on that quickly. So now I think it would be really cool to hear a bit more of the story behind Kiwi Foodcast itself before we hear about Dolly Mama. So this podcast, obviously everyone's listening, so they know a little bit about it and what it does, but sharing the stories of New Zealand food entrepreneurs. So I'm really interested to know to start with, like, why? Where did this all come from? And like, was it something, was having a podcast something that you always wanted to do? Was it like a bucket list kind of vibe? for you um yeah so a bit of both what happened was that just before I left um India to come to New Zealand I did a very limited edition podcast kind of like a wrap-up of all the amazing work I was doing in India and um I did that it was just a limited series 14 episode podcast on my community's food and I loved that experience for me it was like when I started blogging and that kind of love I had for blogging, that's kind of how I fell into um, podcasting. So I knew that I wanted to do a podcast again. And um, when I moved back here, I realized that, um, you know, initially I had thought that I would just quit the world of food and go back to um, doing communications. But if for anyone who's been involved in food, they know that that's not the reality. Somehow the world of food always pulls you back in. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and um, so I thought, you know, until I figure out what business I want to do, I'll start this podcast. And it's a great way of, you know, connecting with people. But um, so there was two or three reasons. One of it was I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to build more of a network because when I moved here, I realized that I did not really know anything about how the food industry operated in New Zealand anymore. So it was more of a learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing I realized is that the food media in New Zealand, you know, you've got your Metro magazine and the cuisine and all of those are really exploring the fine dine and the more established restaurants, or you've got like, Cheap Eats and Urban List, which is doing the very kind of listicle stuff. No one's really doing the stories and no one wants to kind of, you know, dig deep and learn about what it is, what are the trials and tribulations. And this is such a great learning ground. So I just really wanted to give that voice to um, New Zealand food entrepreneurs and welcome just about anyone, you know, so if it's whether you have a food truck or you cook from home or you have an established restaurant, I wanted to hear from everyone and kind of hear their stories and also learn from it. So that's kind of why I started the podcast. Cool. I think that really comes across in what I've seen and heard of everything you're doing so far. So that's obviously shining through as you go along. And you kind of mentioned that you will you know, welcome anyone on with that food kind of vibe. But, and this is a little bit mean to make people answer this, but do have you ha- do you have like a favorite or maybe most interesting guest that you've had on the podcast so far? That is very mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think I've had a few. So um, for me, uh, we started off the podcast interviewing um, Roman from Fix and Fog, who is also a Wellingtonian like you. Yes, great story. Um, yeah, his story was just amazing, you know, because it's just um, – I think it's one everyone needs to listen to because he's gone from having a stall, him and his wife having a farmer's market stall and to be six years in into like the biggest peanut butter market in the world. Like that's inspirational, you know, Um, to listen to that and just kind of be like, oh, okay, like that's where he started as well. You know, like it doesn't just happen. Like you don't just 
emerge and appear into the US market. <laughs> <laughs> do have to do the hard yards and do those markets and, you know, that kind of thing. So his was a really interesting one. And then my other favorite is, so what we also do is also get onto the show a lot of um, enablers or like, you know, I guess people within government or other agencies that help food entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So um, I've done an interview with uh, The Kitchen Project which is um, run by Auckland Unlimited. And, uh, you know, it's like a food incubator. And I went through the kitchen project myself right before I launched Dolly Mama. And I just loved what they do and the fact that they provide a really subsidized commercial kitchen to anyone who wants to start their food business. And they literally handhold you, um, Sreshta, who comes onto the show, she's been my mentor. And, um, you know, I couldn't have launched Dolly Mama without the support I had from Kitchen Project. So they're definitely another one to listen to. That's a great, that's such a great service because when you, as you know, and I know, because I've had a food business too, that's one of pretty much the biggest hurdle, right, to actually launching is where are you going to make it? Because there's so many regulations around that because obviously it's food and you do have to be careful, but it's quite a barrier to entry to starting a food business. So yeah, I've loved finding out because I didn't actually know about them until I met you and saw what you're doing. So that was really cool to find out about that. And um, definitely agree on Fix and Fog as well. I've had Roman on Pep Talk too, and it's a great business story. So inspiring and obviously fantastic peanut butter as well. So that can't hurt. And of course, so while you've been doing the Kiwi Foodcast, you've also been starting your own business. And I guess it's no coincidence that those things are kind of happening at the same time. But I'm interested to hear like how you found having the podcast has helped you in this journey that you're on with starting your own business. You know, it's helped me tremendously, Grace, because when I honestly, when I started the podcast, I had no intention whatsoever of having my own food business, Ah. that it would be something that I would do eventually, you Mm -hmm. know, like I was fully prepared to commit to my comms career and just do that for like the next um, four or five years. And then eventually when I knew a little bit more about food, get back into the food space. But um you know, just chatting to people like Roman and so many other guests that I've had on, you know, I've had someone on, um, just did their, he started his own food truck on Wahiki Island and he started it by doing this on the seventh day of work. So he worked six days at his day job and then on the seventh day he was doing a curry pop-up and then he started. Wow. And it's just like so inspirational to hear these people share their stories and share kind of like how they did it. We've had another, um, you know, friends duo. They they were actually mom friends and it was actually the kids go on play dates to each other's houses. And then one of them lost their jobs during COVID and they decided to launch a brownie uh, kit business. And, you know, now they're stocked in I think like 50 uh, stores or more than that even across New Zealand and so that's a secret kiwi kitchen who I'm talking Mm, about that's right just hearing these guys uh you know I was like no I can't wait I have to do this (laughs) now you know um so it's just been amazing because it's I totally credit the podcast to being kind of like um you know like no I want to do this right away and Mm -hmm. I want to 
at least uh, kind of take those initial steps and we'll see where we go. Mm, such a good source of inspiration. Like um, I'm exactly the same when I hear stories and like when I talk to you as well, I always get really fired up as in like, oh, I can't wait to start another business. And there's just nothing like <laughs> m- making it seem accessible and doable. Like obviously it's hard work, but hearing people's stories and how they've done it and how they've made it work and happen is incredibly motivating to do it yourself. Definitely agree with that. And I imagine that this, maybe this podcast has developed as it's gone along because oftentimes you'll start something and it won't be how it ends up and, you know, things kind of morph and evolve as, as you go along. So have you, have you made any shifts with the podcast as you've gone? Um, yeah, so I have. And you know what? I came across this great quote um, last week. Um, apparently Oprah said it. Um, and it's like, it's completely okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because sometimes, you know, um, changing your mind gets a really bad rep. Uh, but yeah. it's a very necessary part of evolution and of kind of like morphing your business into that next step. So um, to answer your question, when we started the podcast, it was definitely about, you know, sharing those food stories. And we wanted to share um, the stories of perhaps, you know, like a Iraqi person having their business and an Indian, um, an Indian restaurant versus a South African restaurant or South African food truck. And while that's still the focus, what I've realized is that it's also very much a business podcast. So I would say it's now an equal parts food and an equal part business podcast because we very much want to, um, you know, show other inspiring as an other people who want to have their own food business that like it is possible and it is doable and to show them the path that Mm -hmm. they could follow. Um, And we hope to do that by sharing the stories of people who are perhaps, you know, just those two or three steps ahead from you. Because sometimes, you know what some of the food media does is, um, and it's important to do that, like you do want to celebrate the success of someone who's been around for 10 years and 20 years. But sometimes that makes it feel really hard and really inaccessible. Mm. So I feel like if someone were to share the, like, you know, I'm just like two steps ahead of you and here's how I did it, then that's really inspirational. And then that can kind of show you the part of how you can do it as well. So I think that's the focus, um, at least for 2021 for us. Nice. I like that. And combination of my two passions, food and business. So I'm very down with that. (laughs) That's a great quote as well from Oprah and something to keep in mind because you're, you're right. Like you kind of like is made out that changing your mind or changing your path is that you got it wrong the first time and therefore it's bad. Uh, But actually like basically nothing that you're doing is what you might've thought it was it you know, at the start. Uh, And some of the greatest things can come from accidental discoveries and changing your path. I like it. So true. You know, and like Grace, um, earlier um, in another episode, we've had um, Murray who runs Applebee Farms ice cream and um, Mm. they are like dairy farmers who've been around for, their families have been doing dairy farming for like 80, 100 years. And then they, you know, kind of went into the ice cream business. Mm. So I was asking him, like, you know, was it was it difficult because now they export ice cream to Singapore, Australia, and obviously around New Zealand. And he was like, he just put things in perspective because he was like, it's always going to take longer than you thought it would. <laughs> yeah. It's going to cost much more than you thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> always going to be harder than you thought it would. Yeah. But 
Um, at the same time, it's important to hold on to that naivety because if you were not naive and like you just knew everything, then on the flip side, you'd potentially get too scared and not do it at all. So, yeah, definitely agree with that. And that kind of leads us on quite nicely to what you're doing now with your own business, which I love hearing that this was not actually the plan from the beginning when you started the podcast. This is something that's really literally been born from the podcast. So I think that's really special. And for everyone listening, I think that's awesome that you've been a part of the beginning of this, which I know is going to be just one of those Kiwi businesses that we are going to hear about in 10 and 20 years time as a massive success story. So I want to share and I want everyone to hear this awesome story of Dolly Mama. So let's begin, well, at the beginning, because that's always a good place to start, but way back to the story kind of behind it, because that's one of my favorite parts of everything is your cooking with your grandma, your Dolly Mama. Tell us that story kind of that sits behind your love of food and where this has all come from. Sure. So, um, like you said, it's called Dolly Mama, and it's called that because Dolly was my maternal grandmom. And um, like I told you at the start of the show, um, you know, I was one of those rare kids who used to just love eating. So I would quietly sit on the table, just spoon, enjoy each bite of food, and that's very rare. Um, for a young kid to do that. <laughs> and um, my Dolly Mama, so I used to go to her house every Saturday and, um, you know, she used to make this amazing um, curry and I used to love it a lot. So um, she would make it fresh for me every Saturday. It was always fish curry and, uh, you know, she had a fresh curry leaf tree outside in her garden so my granddad would have to go pick out the fresh curry leaves and he'd always grumble because um, my Dolly Mama would make him, you know, do a uh, great, the fresh coconut from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd have to do all this stuff. And um, so it was like, you know, quite a mission to make this curry. It would take like two or three hours. And, but she'd always make it for me every Saturday. Mm-hmm fresh steamed rice and you know like an onion salad on the side and one of the days I was sitting I think it was the summer holiday and I was sitting on her swing and you know she was like oh what would you like to uh, inherit you know it's like a thing a lot of Indian grandmas will ask that. and um, so I was like oh I don't want anything I just want like this big pot of your curry that I keep having and um you know back then it felt like a perfectly acceptable response obviously when it came like in my teenagers i was like oh my god like who's this glutton like curry for inheritance but that's just like how i remember her like you know even um when she got really old you know it was always for her her love for fish and her love for cooking fresh food and so she always taught me that you know good food is about the love um that you put into the food and the patience that you put into the food and um you know it doesn't matter if like my curry doesn't taste like your curry what matters is like the love that you put into it so when i wanted to start this business i kind of really wanted to riff off those values and obviously have her curry be a part of it. So um, we now have a product called the Coastal Curry, and that's actually my grandma's curry. I love the Coastal Curry. So good. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And I love how how that story sits behind everything that you're doing because it's just so special and you can feel the, like, love radiating out of it and it gives it such, like, an authenticity that you could never create from scratch with a, you know, top-notch branding agency or anything. It's just so 
so totally genuine. It's fantastic. And I think, but that's an important learning, right? And I'm sure you've had your food business, so you can tell as well. Like, I don't think people want the flesh. I mean, obviously people do want the, like, your packaging does need to look nice and it does need to, but what's more important is the story. Story, yeah. Something like if you can truly convey why this is special, why it means a lot to you, then that kind of sits behind everything that you do. Mm, Storytelling is everything. And that, that kind of thing is gold. So, yeah, got to hold on to that. And it might also be a good idea now to just quickly kind of pause and and fill everyone in in case they haven't heard already. But what actually is Dolly Mama? What are you making? What are you doing? What are the products? How do they work? Maybe just give us like a quick breakdown on that before we dive too deep into it. Yeah, sure. So Dolly Mama is basically a range of ready-to-cook Indian products, and they are meant to um, just get you to fall in love with cooking at home again Mm. and also make you realize just how versatile Indian food and Indian flavors can be. So, um, you know, this idea came to me because I used to make, um, when I moved back to New Zealand, this was the first time I was living alone with my husband before that I lived with my in-laws so I was really spoiled you know dinner was always ready for me <laughs> sounds nice when I moved here <laughs> I, I realized how hard it is because you're in charge of like every bloody meal yeah. and, um, so I would make these like you know just kind of half cooked paste um, and I'd spend my weekends just making a range of like ready pace and then keep them in the fridge because that meant that when I wanted to do a weeknight, like I was kind of like three quarters of the way there and all I had to do was like add meat or, you know, do something and just finish it, finish the meal off. So I realized that that's a real important need, which I wanted to fulfill for other mums and other, not even mums, just like, you know, other professionals, just make weeknight life easy and at the same time, I was really sick of people just telling me that Indian food is about butter chicken. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show people that there is a whole world of food aside from butter chicken. And um, so this kind of combines both. They're like ready to cook products. You can tip and go and make them, you know, into a great curry for during the week. But they're also really versatile. So, you know, you can use them to make scones and put them on pizza base or really your world the world's your limit with what you can do with it and that's kind of what we're trying to do we want to yeah basically use these pace make life easy for everyone who uses them Mm, definitely comes across and they are just well I've I've particularly enjoyed the coastal curry and I always make enough so I can take some for lunch to work the next day and whenever I take them in my workmates always say oh have you got that curry again that you keep bringing in like everyone smells it it fills the smell fills up the whole factory where I work and everyone's talking about it and they're like what's it called again I need to order some so I think that the product speaks for itself and the story backs it up so doing a fantastic job on that so far and I think that um, people listening will be really interested because I'm sure that there's been quite a lot of steps kind of that you've taken from having that idea in the first place and having the inspiration behind it to actually having product that you can ship and sell to people so maybe you could take us through quickly those kind of broad steps that you did from idea to fruition (laughs) yeah that's quite a big question I know (laughs) Um, so this is really cool because so when I, um, you know, when I wanted to do the food business, I had two ideas, actually. I, um, and this is going to sound really random. 
a story, but so I wanted to do this or I wanted to have like a grilled cheese stall at the market. <laughs> I love grilled cheeses. Oh, I love that. Um, I love grilled cheese too. <laughs> And, um, you know, you can never go wrong and everything tastes better when you put it in between bread with cheese. Mm. Mm. Everything tastes better with cheese. I mean, that's just a life principle. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I had these two ideas and then I had to submit my application for um, the kitchen project. Um, and I thought, nah, you know, like this market thing, they'll never choose me if I do that. Um, so it was more from at that point of time, it was just kind of like very much an idea. I did not know what's really involved in, um, you know, like manufacturing food Mm. from the fact that I used to make these pastes for myself at home. Um, so it was very much at that stage. And then the steps to kind of launching, once I started the kitchen project, it was more like standardizing the recipe. Then the next big hurdle was, um, you know, kind of extending the shelf life, but kind of staying true to our values. Mm. So I very much still wanted it to be a fresh product. I wanted it to be something that was versatile, that you you know, did not kind of linger in the back of your pantry or in the back of your fridge. And then like you forget why you bought it or what you have to do with it. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted it to be multi-use and extend the shelf life. So that was quite hard kind of figuring out what natural things we can do, how we can tweak the recipe so that it would stay good in the fridge for the one or two months that it, it's good for now. Mm-hmm. Um And then obviously the other biggest hurdle was our food licensing. It is so complicated. Um, I don't know how the case is in Wellington, but in Auckland, um, the licensing is just really hard to figure out like which license to sit under. Um, And so the kitchen project really helped with with that aspect as well, um, figuring out. And so we only got our license in October and that was kind of like, me just crawling bloody to the starting line. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh a God, great guys. description. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so hard because I was like, oh, do I do this in pouches or do I do it in a bottle? Mm. This logo or do we do it like this? Do we, what goes on the label? There's just like so many decisions mm-hmm. that you need to do. Um, and there's so many rabbit holes that you can go down. But um, for me, what really helped is I got a mentor who told me, you know, right, we're just going to make a 90-day plan. And you're only going to tell me of the five things you can do in the 90 days. And then you're just going to break it down. Mm. And that really helped me because otherwise you can just go down so many rabbit holes and spend so much time researching stuff that you may not need now or whether that you don't even have the time for right now. Yeah. Yep. So true. Um, yeah. So that, that really helped. And um now we're into the next phase. So we obviously have our license, have our packaging sorted, and we are at Pineal Farmer's Market on a Saturday in Auckland. Um, and now is the next challenge where we're trying to see how we can reach out to customers across New Zealand by selling online. Mm, yeah, so that kind of takes us on to how it's going because obviously getting getting to where you are now is such a huge accomplishment. Like most people would have an idea, start researching it and be like, oh, too hard, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> but you have done such hard work to get to where you are now and it's an amazing achievement. So I don't want to gloss over that and be like, right, what's next? But at the same time, how is it going so far? Like how have, how have you found everything having a product out there and has there been anything that's really surprised you about where you've landed up? 
Um, so it's been a great journey. And I think the biggest um, kind of hardest part since I would say from between when we launched in November um, till now has been into getting that regular cadence of a farmer's market and, you know, kind of producing week in, week out. Mm-hmm. To um, service the farmers market store, and um, this sounds silly, but you know, um, so we had our initial few weeks at the farmers market were really great, and um, you know, people were really liking it. And then um, I had all these doubts over the Christmas break, mm-hmm. because like, oh my god, you know, like, what if these people never buy it again, and what if they just bought it because they wanted to, you know, <laughs> support small business or whatever. <laughs> but now, like in January, we started seeing that first lot of people going like, yep. You know, I liked it. I cooked with it and I'm going to buy it again mm. like, to taste it. And that has been such a relief. Um, it's such a good test of it to have repeat <laughs> returning customers is like, that's such a good test. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, I think for me, the biggest thing, like, you know, to get people having, wanting to buy it again. Um, and the other thing we've been doing right now is also been calling a bunch of customers and just asking them what they've cooked with it and how their experience has been of the product. And that's been really enlightening because, um, you know, sometimes I feel as entrepreneurs, we want to like hide behind the kitchen or hide <laughs> the computer yeah. and like not go talk to someone. Yeah. So I've had to have mentors who have to really push me to be like, no, you're going to call 10 people and you're going to report back and tell me what they said. Right. <laughs> it was only when they did that, that I kind of, you know, picked up that phone and called someone. And I don't know why it feels so hard because once you talk to someone, it's fine. Yeah. But um, I guess it's something of uh, the millennial generation. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, no one likes talking on the phone, but also it's like when you start a business, any kind of business or a project like a podcast, you're really putting yourself out there and you're, you're, put, you're opening yourself up to criticism and feedback. And um, when it's something that's so close to your heart and for you, you know, it's such a family thing and it's based on your history and it's just so powerful, it, you're very vulnerable. And so to call up someone and be like, right, I've put my heart on a plate. What do you think? <laughs> like that is really hard. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so um, it's been um, it's been great though, like to get that feedback. Mm. I've had a lot of clients themselves who come and told me, like, um, you know, did you know that you could make um, paneer sag with your Indian everyday? And like, for example, I never knew that you could do that. Um, <laughs> someone else made um, pasta using the ghee. So there's just been like new use cases coming out and I found it so valuable to kind of pick up that phone and go talk to someone. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I guess now what's next is just that big challenge around I'm in the deep and the depths of figuring out Shopify. So if there's anyone listening over here who knows how to use Shopify, <laughs> please help me. <laughs> Yeah, it's great to have to be able to control your own channels though and have your own website that you're selling on. So that'll be really valuable. Yeah, and even uh, but even that, right? Like, so we were really lucky. Um, you know, there's this amazing platform called Choice, which started out last year during COVID. Um, and it basically allows anyone to kind of set up an online store and sell within New Zealand and they take a very small commission. Um, but, you know, it means like you're not kind of putting in that upfront cost of setting up a website mm-hmm. and for hosting and stuff like that mm-hmm. until you've taken your product. So highly recommend choice. And um, so we only just shifted to starting to now sell on our website. And it's kind of like, again, you're like back from scratch, <laughs> back to 
<laughs> and like now, you know, we're working on developing those recipes and having a place where people can easily find what what else they can make with our products. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so much going on. And that's all obviously what's happening now. But I'm also really interested before we wrap up to hear a bit about the future because I know that with things like this, often you have a big vision of where you want to take things down the line. So tell us a bit about the kind of big picture vision for Dolly Obama. Um, so this sounds really scary even to like kind of say it, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think like it's me, me scary. Yeah. Into the universe and stuff. Yeah. So we really want to be, um, I guess the next Patex, mm-hmm. uh, because if you think about what Patex did for Indian food, you know, back in the nineties and the early two thousands, Patex really brought Indian food to the Kiwi home and to international homes across, I mean, across the globe, you know, before that people kind of did not really know what Indian food was. Mm. Okay. So what they've done has been great, but I think, um, you know, in recent years we've just stagnated and um, nothing's happened since then. Mm -hmm. So we want to be that next Patex, Mm. which people that, you know, Indian food is really versatile. It's really easy like, you know, you can do a lot of things with Indian flavors. And, um, yeah, and that's that's what we're hoping to do. So, basically, world domination. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. I mean, that'll be easy. That'll be like next year. <laughs> no, I think that's great. Like, it's, you know, there's that quote that they say that if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And I think that's really true that you need to, obviously, it's not everyday things. It's like a bigger picture thing, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. But it's got to be something in your future that's terrifying you I think in order to really push you forward and to get the most that you can out of life so that is very exciting I can't wait to see that happen for Dolly Mama and I have no doubt that it will because you are incredibly determined and passionate about it and that's what it takes basically Um, and then hopefully when we're there, I'll, um, you know, when New York Times write an, writes an article about me, I'll tell them that Grace was the one who mentored me. <laughs> all my packaging and all the stupid questions I was asking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a credit in the New York Times. <laughs> that sounds all right. <laughs> nice. And what are you, what do you, just before I wrap up a little bit of a personal thing, what, what are you most excited about from all this? And what's the thing that's really got your kind of, tummy stirring and and your kind of excitement levels up um you know what so for me it's been like um I moved to moved to New Zealand when I was really young so I moved here when I was like 13 or 14 right and I really kind of fell in love with Indian food only when I got married mm. and I realized that um obviously my kids have moved to New Zealand even younger I got them here when they were like two and three mm. and um if I don't play a really active role in um, bringing alive our heritage, th- it, it will just get lost. Mm-hmm. And they will, you know, like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with like pasta and sausage rolls. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> I want to know, um, you know, what my grandmom's curry was like. And I want them to know uh, what a traditional dansak is like. So for me, what really gets me stirring and why um, me and my husband are both doing this is for that next generation. Like we want people, and most importantly, I want my kids to know that like Indian food doesn't need to be hard. It, it is easy and, you know, it's versatile, it's flavorful. I want them to kind of fall in love with it 
just how I fell in love with it as well. So for me, that's really important. Beautiful. That is the nicest way to take us out because I think that's, again, just so genuine and shows the love behind it and where it's all coming from. So thank you for wrapping us up like that. And we will call it a day. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me be a guest interviewer. I hope that I've done it justice for the Kiwi Foodcast and that you guys have all enjoyed it. You have done a brilliant job. Thank you so much. And actually, Grace, before you finish, so what we do in the Kiwi Foodcast is we always do a section called the fast food five so um we if you don't mind we should just still do that which is basically five fast questions about food so how about you ask me one question and i'll ask you one question we both answer oh okay this is putting me on the spot i'm not prepared for this uh so is it <laughs> can it be any question of just any as question about food? food yeah okay i'm gonna go okay. super basic for your first one then favorite food Favorite food, um, dhansak. So dhansak is um, a very traditional Parsi recipe. It's like a lentil and meat stew um, cooked for hours, basically. So yep. I'm eating it. We have it every Sunday. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you? Oh, you're throwing it back at me. Nice. Oh, that's so hard. I, I'm a pretty basic person, so I probably, I probably like, I love a pizza. I'm not going to lie. I like, I like. No, I'm a pizza. Yeah. It's so versatile again. You can just plonk anything on it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to go with that, even though it makes me seem very uncultured after your answer. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, Salt or sugar, which one would you give up? Oh, oh my goodness. I would. I think I would have to give up salt and keep sugar. Oh, okay. That is that because you used to make cupcakes before? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think I don't think I could ever not have sugar in my life, even though I probably shouldn't from like a dental point of view. But uh, it's got a special place in my heart, so I'm going okay. to keep it. Yeah. Uh, you can have one. You can have tomato sauce or aioli. Ooh, aioli all the way. Same. Just- don't see what the fuss is about tomato sauce. For me, it's barbecue sauce. <laughs> oh, okay. And the other day I went out for chips and they put tartare sauce on the side of the chips instead of aioli. It's like, this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. What other question should I ask you? Um, okay. Slow cooked or deep fried? What do you prefer? <sighs> I probably shouldn't say deep fried, but I probably will because <laughs> you can't go past like hot chips and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, deep fried. <laughs> deep fried for me as well. Though I do really like um, pork shoulder, and I just kind of like slow cook it. Mm. All the so because we go to the markets, I always have you know like fifty grams of whatever's left from the tasting jars, and I just like mix everything. Uh-huh it in and put it into the slow cooker and it's amazing that's good i like that i don't actually have a slow cooker so i should probably get into that awesome Hmm. all right my last question for you grace is um i guess the one dish that you want to teach your daughter to cook or or maybe so my mum has a very special chicken curry recipe which is by your standards not even a real curry I'm just gonna put it out there but it is very dear to our hearts like it's our it's our family meal that on our birthdays we're always like cook us a chicken curry and it's just like a nostalgic thing really so I think I would have to choose that I would I would like to pass that on to her 
Oh, that's so awesome. And I think it's just like what you said, right? Like it's about passing on that heritage. And um, when I did, you know, when I first posted my curry recipe on the blog, I had had comments from people saying that this recipe, when they made it, it reminded them of their grandma. Oh, beautiful. And it just brings it home um, because that's what food is about, right? Food's about love and sharing and passing it on. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's not really about the food. I mean, the food is very important, but it's about the people and the experiences and the places and all of those feelings that come along with it. So I love that. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much, Grace. It's been amazing. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me and thanks for sharing your story. I loved it. for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.